God's grace, his mercy, his peace are yours through our Lord and our Savior who speaks through the prophet John this morning. Amen. John's clothes, they were made of camel's hair and he had a leather belt around his waist. His food was locusts and wild honey. People went out to him from Jerusalem and all Judea and the whole region of the Jordan. Confessing their sins, they were baptized by him in the Jordan River. The setting of John's preaching. I don't really like exams. I've had to take a lot of them over my life. And I'm guessing if you're in high school or college or continuing education right now, you know that it's probably exam time. It's looming, right? Some of them are cumulative. They're the big ones. And maybe some of you are at the age where you have to take the dreaded exam of, of passing your driver's test, and that's always awful because when you're there with your parent or the instructor and they're telling you to do this and do that, you know that soon there's going to be a person in the passenger seat that's marking down every little thing you do. And maybe some of the bigger exams you have to take are pass-fail, right? If you don't pass this, you, you can't move on. You have to pass this. And some may ding your grade. If you don't do well on this, it's 60%, 50% of your grade. The exam is important. But do any of these exams ever have it where if you get one wrong, you flunk? <laughs> There's no taking it again. That's it. You had one chance and you blew it. Well, I, I'm going to challenge us tonight with just or today with this, this idea of an exam that really John is giving us. He's giving us an Advent exam. As he preaches these words, which come off as rather harsh, to people we like to point at too, the Pharisees and Sadducees, I'll ask you, are you prepared to pass your Advent exam? Right now at the heels of Christmas, we got a lot on our plate, a lot of things we're doing, and maybe we have visions of, of sugar fairies dancing in our minds, and we have presents and wrapping, and we have all the lights and the things we do to prepare the season, but this is more serious. God doesn't want the outside trappings. God wants your heart. And so John gets to us, or gives to us this exam that makes us examine ourselves. Where are we at? Because what's at stake is not just whether or not you have a happy Christmas, but what is my eternity and how can I make sure I'm going to the place I want to be? And so will you pass your Advent exam? Well, if we follow the one example here, we will flunk with the Pharisees. If we follow them, you're not going to pass. But if you follow the prophet, you'll pass because his message gets to the answer. Well, first, we have some people coming and they're gathering there uh, from Jerusalem and they're walking into the water. They're confessing and being baptized. And the Pharisees and Sadducees, the leaders of the day, are coming down to see where John's doing this a long way out of Jerusalem. And it's not a really a beautiful setting uh, for sure. I've been there. It's pretty remote still today. They haven't built up anything around there and where he was baptizing, doing this ministry. People came because of the message, not because of the setting, not because of the guy. You think about what he was wearing, what he was eating. That seems like kind of a recluse, eccentric, right? And so the Pharisees and Sadducees come and they're not there to get in the water. They're not there to lift their robes and, and confess and be baptized. They're come to analyze what's going on. And John recognizes their heart. He knew and had heard their message probably for his whole life and so this is what John says to them, points them out and says, but you, Pharisees and Sadducees, when they were coming, he said, you brood of vipers, you, who warned you to flee from the coming wrath, produce fruit in keeping with repentance? And do not think you can say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. 
I tell you that out of these stones, God can raise up children for Abraham. The axe is already at the root of the trees, and every tree that does not produce fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. You see, the Pharisees and the Sadducees felt they had no problem. They were kind of like the pastors, the teachers of the day, and they, they made sure everything was just according to the law that they had written and, and narrowed down to, you give this much, you take that many steps, you dress in this way. The rabbis had made sure you had all the steps to follow, and they were doing it. They were the example. And the problem is they thought they had no problem. That was the problem, right? They, they thought everything was okay. And if they felt okay and they acted okay, then everything was okay, but they weren't getting at the heart of the matter. And for some reason, and it just doesn't seem to make sense as we look back in hindsight, they took the promises of God that were supposed to come through Abraham, and they believed in their own mind that because they were born into the family of Abraham, they could trace their lineage back to Abraham, do like the, you know, Ancestry.com, they figured out, I'm from Abraham, that means I'm going to heaven because I was born into that family? They put their confidence in, in their ancestry. That doesn't make any sense, but they thought everything was okay, and so John dealt with them very harshly. They didn't want this to be an answer to the exam they were given, and, and really what John was saying, if you're going to stay on this path where you look good and you act all nice and everyone thinks, wow, look at them, then here's the exam I give you. When you stand before me in death, I'll ask you one question. Have you obeyed my law perfectly? Yes or no? Well, they would try to show them, well, look what I did. Look how I acted. Look what I became. I, I was a teacher. I, I was in the family. What, what? The answer is no. And then he, he says, the axe is already at your ankles. Chops you down and throws you in a fire. He wants good fruit, not that fruit because he's more concerned about the heart behind what you do. Now, as I read this, and you've probably heard this before, John's preaching, and we like to say, yeah, those guys, the Pharisees and Sadducees, I'm glad I'm not like that. And, and many of you aren't pastors and teachers, so we, this bounces off of us. I'm not a brood of vipers. So I wondered myself, because I am a pastor, how, how does this apply to me? Are you having confidence in the wrong thing. It's just this subtle thing. I would guess as we go back in the Old Testament and see as God gave his promises and wrote them down, people were in the word and they got it. They understood they had a need and God addressed it. They had sin and they sacrificed these sacrifices that God promised he would take their sin away. That's how it started. But then there was this gradual shift over time that became more focused on their actions and activities than what they needed from God to really address the problem, sin. And there they were today, in their day. And, and how about you? Let me just give you an example of, of just where our lives are at right now. How much of all that you're doing in the next weeks to get ready for Christmas has a real focus on creation rather than the Creator? We so focus on all this stuff that is just created, and we give a few moments to the creator of it all. Let me ask it a different way. How much more are your kids and your family going to be excited at what Amazon delivers than what God delivers? Do you see how subtle it is? 
we, we just become excited about the wrong things and our heart isn't necessarily malicious and evil, but we're not focusing on the thing that answers the real exam that God gives. If we follow these paths and become confident in our church membership, we become confident in how many times we go and, and what we give. If we become confident because things are going okay in life, our families are turning out, and we did everything kind of right, and, and we haven't done anything maliciously wrong, if that's where your confidence and hope lies, and you stand before God, then here's the question he's going to ask. Did you obey my law perfectly? And you can't answer yes. God knows it's a no. And if you stand before God with that question, can you show him, hey, look at this robe of my offering envelopes. Didn't I do good, God? Hey, God, let me show you the family album. I sent them to school. I raised them right. Look how they turned out. And look here, I built a great life. And I tried to do right things for you too. Look at all these things that I didn't accomplish. That isn't what's going to pass. These things aren't wrong. Keep doing them but don't put your hope in them. This is the focus here. God wants your heart. And the thing that we need to recognize, it's, it's something that John preached to, is, is we need help. And that's why God does what he does. If you want to pass the Advent exam, look closely what John is there to offer. He says repentance and, and baptism, those are two very important things. The first thing is, is repent. And there's a lot of of thoughts and ideas out there repentance is and they're not really accurate in our world we have to be very careful of what we admit to because now in our world with just how moral we have become and and how uh, uh, honest we become if you do certain things there is no forgiveness that is just too big or if you confess things you're just confessing enough so that you can do some damage control that's not what we're talking about God says come clean. From the first time he confronted that first sin, this is what he said. Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? Because what Adam and Eve wanted to do is damage control. Well, at first they tried hiding. That didn't work because God sought them out. And then they started blaming and that didn't work either because what God wanted is for them to come clean with the creator. I did it. It's, it's me and it, it's not good. And, and even the, the prophet proclaimed it really beautiful, what, what the word repent means. It's simply this. It means turn. This is what Ezekiel said. As surely as I live, declares the sovereign Lord, I take no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but rather they turn from their ways and live. Turn, turn from evil ways. Why will you die, O house of Israel? That's what John was turning up the volume on, right? Because right there... These people, Pharisees and Sadducees, were leading people astray. Do we sometimes do the same thing with our own example? God says, examine your heart. And it's not so much what we turn from, turn from sin. That is to be sure. It's who we turn to. That's what repentance is. It's, and, and the example I give, like when I give Bible information classes, way back in the day, I was taking one of my kids to we would go get a new washing machine, and we're in this big, huge appliance store that has all the TVs, and they're, they're on these 50 TVs, there's this action sequence that has all this violence going on, and all of a sudden, boom, they're staring at this, and I grab them by the head and say, we're going over here. Turn away from that, and turn over here. And that's really what John is preaching too. We don't get wrapped up in all the negativity and the brood of vipers. 
What is John telling us to turn to? Turn to Jesus. It's that simple, but that profound. If you want to ace the Advent exam, look at what God is doing. There in the water, soon John's going to say, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, that's what God wrapped up his plan of salvation. There in the flesh, turn to Jesus. He's your Savior. When we say help to God, God says help is on the way. In fact, help is here. May that be the focus of your entire Advent season into Christmas. May your hearts find the deepest and most profound joy in what God is doing. And because we live and we do, God has done. The Savior in the flesh that will live and die for you so that when we go before God on that last day or when he calls us before him, he's not going to be asking questions, have you done everything I commanded for you to do? It's not the exam he gives. Because of Jesus and you being baptized into Jesus, connected to Jesus, even if God did ask that question, you can say, yes, I did, because Jesus did it for me. But if you believe in Jesus, you're already in. The exam has been aced. So you want to take the whole hum out of life? Do something even better than all the traditions you have around Christmas? Then take a little time to spend looking in the word at your God, wonderful God, who became flesh for you. If you want some good advice that's lasting, then go to the counselor, the Holy Spirit, because he says that every time you seek counsel in his word, he's there working on your heart. If you want something that lasts more than the presents that you put away and the tree that ends up on a curb, then why don't you spend some time looking at the everlasting God who has a plan for you that's everlasting. And if you want peace beyond the peace of the season and the moments we try to create, a peace that goes on forever, then take time to focus on the Prince of Peace. Even today in the sacrament, God comes and personalizes that gift and puts it right inside you. Flesh and blood given for you. You can't get more focused than that. So, will you ace your exam? That Advent exam that John gives, don't follow the Pharisees or you'll fail. The answer is simple. It's what John believed in and pointed at. And if you believe in it, then you will pass too. May that, that spirit of Jesus be yours throughout this Advent season as you focus on him. Because we will see, as we do, that God gives us the answer. He's delivered in the flesh, and he is yours. So come, let us adore him. Amen.